men's work for me is not just something that I do, you know, every Tuesday night for a couple hours with my buddies. It's become a way of life, you know, and it's become something that has trickled into every aspect of what I do in all my relationships with men and with women and fundamentally shifted how I view people and ultimately like seeing everybody as part of the community as everybody is part of this circle around the fire and nobody, nobody needs to be a stranger. We really need to all come together and fight against that tendency to isolate because the isolation is what creates the neurosis. It's what creates the, the real damage in our society. I really can't think of anything more important than waking up to your true self. I mean, once you do that, every single thing in your life changes. It's like a whole new world opens up. I used to look at my life and think, there has got to be more. There is, and this is it. I'm Paige, and this is Spiritual Twenties. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual Twenties. My name is Paige, and in today's episode, we brought back Steve Parr to talk to us about men's work. So guys, you're going to really want to tune into this one. I just got finished editing this episode, and I honestly can't think of anything that I'm more excited about than the things that Steve and I talked about. Men gathering in circle, women gathering in circle, this return back to our nature, our tribal life. I definitely, definitely suffer from lone wolfness. I have a tendency to lone wolf. You know, anybody who is listening to this that considers themselves maybe a bit of an outcast, we have a tendency to isolate when in reality, the number one thing that we need in this world is connection, deep connection to first and foremost yourself and then the people around you, the earth. It is the most transformative thing that I have ever done in my whole life. It completely changed my life and I really believe that men's work, women's circles is how we can really powerfully bring this back. Steve is an executive leader of the Samurai Brotherhood, which is an intentional men's work community that started in Vancouver. However, with all of the current restrictions, they are having an upcoming retreat that is going to be totally virtual, so I cannot, cannot, cannot emphasize and recommend this enough for my guys out there. Please go check out the Samurai Brotherhood in general and then check out this Alchemy Weekend and see if, even if you've never done this work before, if you've never heard anybody talk the way that Steve and I talk in this episode, I really think this is a beautiful way for you to dip your toes in. And at the end of the weekend, you'll see that it wasn't a a dipping of the toes at all, but actually a really transformational experience. And so... That virtual retreat is going to be the weekend of October 23rd, so make sure that you get yourself right over there because you are not going to want to miss out on that. If you missed our first episode with Steve, a bit more about him, 
Steve Parr is a breathwork coach, a men's work facilitator, and a corporate lawyer. He teaches courses on conscious relationships and becoming an integrated man. He has become a friend of mine and somebody who speaks so beautifully on the importance of community and group work and has definitely inspired me to be more involved with that kind of work myself. And so I am so grateful to him for coming on. Guys, make sure you head over to the Samurai Brotherhood. Check out that Alchemy Weekend, October 23rd. Make sure you sign up ASAP and enjoy this episode about men's work. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing, Paige? I'm great. We are back and I'm so excited to have you here because we're talking about something that um, is going to let me be a student a bit more than than I usually am. And I'm excited to hear from a man's perspective about men's work. And so if you could just start off by telling us a bit about what we mean when we say men's work. I think that'd be a great place to start. For sure. Yeah, men's work, uh, it's its a broad term and can capture a whole lot of different processes and activities and stuff. But uh, men's work really just means guys coming together to work on themselves. So it's work that is done in a, in a private container where, you know, obviously there's the absence of women. So uh, that's that's a huge ingredient because um, men are going to behave differently when there's no women around. They're going to speak differently. They're going to be able to share things that they might not otherwise be comfortable sharing. So men's work really came about in the 1980s uh, through what's called the mythopoetic men's movement. So there was a bunch of different groups. There was the Mankind Project. Uh, there was the Sterling Institute. So these are all North American experiences, but yeah, men's work is is an opportunity for guys to to support each other, to uh, connect with a part of themselves that disappeared at some point, and to really start to experience each other as brothers instead of as competitors. Sweet, yes. And so, what do you feel like the transformation? Just the overall, why do we do this? Yeah, we do this to become better men. We do this, I think. Men's work, I think men's work has become popular in, you know, in the 80s until current day because we live in a society where it's not always obvious what it is to be a man. And it's especially not obvious what it is to be a good man. Um, and I think men grew up with that sense of confusion. I know I did. Uh, I didn't have clear role models in my life. So I was always looking. I had this, you know, we call it father hunger. So we were like looking for uh, a good embodiment of what it is to be a good man. And, and that's, a, that's a process that's going to be different for every single guy. So joining men's work, uh, participating in men's work was, was my way, my path for discovering what it was that I wanted to embody in my life. So, yeah, I think that it would be helpful for us to kind of take a step back and say, realize what kind of happened that made the shift away from communities that the way that 
the human race, we used to operate in this tribal culture where men played a certain role and there was this sense of consciousness and there was this more divine masculine, divine feminine qualities where, you know, the wild man, the wild woman archetype, whatever you may be familiar with, but that we used to have that, you know, we used to exist in, in tribes. And for me, what I understand, I feel like this shift has happened when we went from tribal living to the nuclear family, where now we used to live in a community where oftentimes like it was grandparents and aunts and uncles that were mostly taking care of the kids. And so then the, like the parents that just created this separation and that the, you know, it takes a village that saying like everybody is involved and that way there are so many role models and so many just influences and positive influences. And if there's some negative influences, then it's okay because it all balances out. And for me, in my kind of limited learning of this shift that we've had away, what happened to the the sacred masculine, to the divine feminine, I really feel like we can go to that shift away from tribal living and into the nuclear family where that's where at least I can see a lot of that happening. Where do you kind of put that disconnect? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Looking at how uh, there was this shift from, from tribal to nuclear family. And of course that happened over centuries and centuries. And there's a whole lot of complex social movements that happens, industrialization, men going off into the workforce and being disconnected from their sons and their daughters uh, because they were working 12 hour days and then just coming home exhausted and just not having any real substantial contact with their, with their kids. Um, which meant that, you know, for, and we'll speak about sons here. So sons just their primary contact was with their mom. And then at school, we, you know, for whatever reason, we as a culture decided to make all of the majority of our teachers women, uh, that's changing today, of course, but Back in the day, that's really how it was. So this led to uh, a very a man who was getting a lot of feminine influence and didn't have a clear point of contact with his dad or with other father figures in his life. So yeah, men's work is is a part of this return to a more tribal way of living. So I, I live in Vancouver, BC, and we I'm a part of a community called the Samurai Brotherhood community. And uh, just in Vancouver alone, we have a few hundred members. We have about 300 guys here who meet regularly. And, and so there is this real sense of tribe that has come about. Uh, some of these men have our fathers and have kids. And so in, in a very real sense, like these kids have 300 uncles, you know, of course, some are closer than others, but you know, it's, it's this very cool thing. We have these, we have events where um, fathers will be able to bring their kids and just get exposed. Like, just looking around and being in the energy of a whole bunch of male figures that traditionally, I suppose that has been a possibility for, for some kids like through sports and through other organized activities. Um, but, uh, but it's something that I think was, was really lost for, for a lot of guys. I, I mean, growing up, like I played a lot of sports for sure. And I, I definitely did look to some of my coaches for that masculine mentorship um because of course my father provided some but not everybody you know no one man can provide all the skills right. that, a, that a man needs. yeah like they're just 
there wasn't enough, you know, I wanted, I definitely wanted more. Um, and, and that desire carried me through into my twenties. And when I, when I really started to seek out men in earnest. So. Yeah. I think it's important to say there that you don't have to be somebody who is fatherless or with a complicated father situation. We as a human tribe are, you know, we came into evolution having so many influences and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't all fall on the dad. It's not like you have, you have to have some complicated father relationship in order to have a father wound or need this. This is something that, that comes about in, for every single one of us. I think that if you can escape childhood without some kind of mother and father wound, then I haven't met that person, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't met that person either. And I know a lot of amazing fathers. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends have great dads, great moms and, um, but nobody's perfect. Right. And yeah, I, I haven't met that individual either. And, um, and there's always, there's always more healing that to be done. And, and, um, even if there was, uh, this like ideal father or like this perfect embodiment of the divine father, or divine mother, you know, like that's, uh, right. there there's even that would come with its own sort of potential wounding, right? Like you, yeah. you know, you think of a son who grows up underneath a very powerful father, like that brings its own challenges, even though this man is like fully expressed in the world and is really powerful and it's like doing all these things. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's a very positive influence, but it's also, that's very challenging. And, um, for, for a young guy to grow up inside of that shadow. And so it's important for him to, for any young guy to have other good male figures to be able to relate to and to, to receive different kinds of energy from, you know, right. softer energies, harder, more challenging energies. Like we need them all. Yeah, for sure. I think that it was really important for me in my journey when I learned about this idea that nobody escapes childhood without wounds, because I think that so much, sometimes if you're new to the conversation, some shame might come up. It's like, well, I had a great childhood, so I don't want to be, you know, bashing my, my parents or anything like that. And that's really not what it is. Like one example that I love that really kind of helped me to get it was when you're a baby crying in your crib and your parents kind of let you cry yourself to sleep, that forms an abandonment wound. It like and for you for your baby self in that moment it's like I am alone and no one's coming to get me and of course like I was a nanny all you know through college and high school and I was definitely a proponent of you know you could let them cry themselves to sleep so, you know unless it's something insane unless there's something wrong you know they'll they'll fall asleep eventually and it'll be okay so obviously that's not something that is the wrong thing to do and so just that example really helped me to to gather that, yeah, nobody gets out of, of childhood. So you don't have to be somebody who has a complicated relationship with your parents, especially your father, in order to look at these wounds, in order to look at where the places that there was a disconnect for me. And I feel like that's yeah. where, where the group work, where the men's work comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the way that people can experience getting wounded in you know, in their childhood is like, it can be very slight. There's this amazing experiment that was done in, by a Harvard uh, childhood psychologist and called the still face experiments. And 
there's this, there's a baby, there's the mother and the mother is like very attuned with her baby. You know, she's like laughing and playing and responding and, you know, essentially mirroring back the emotions that the baby is, is presenting. Um, and then the, so the experiment is that she just shuts down. She just goes, right. And you can see the baby responding very rapidly with like within five seconds, the baby is like, starts like, right. yeah, no. like lo looking confused and then uh, trying to get his, his mom's attention, trying to like re-engage her, you know, starts pointing around the room and then eventually just starts like freaking out and just totally inconsolable. Right. Um, and that 15 seconds and like, what mom or dad is going to be able to remain perfectly attuned with their child for the entirety of their, right. of their like it's impossible. It's totally impossible. So like these points of disconnection are inevitable and they're also healthy. They're also a part of what it is to grow up in a healthy way. Like we, we need to learn how to deal right. with the, you know, the slights of the world. Right. And like that sort of wounding, like it doesn't have to have such a, a, a negative, like dramatic kind of edge to it. And I think it, there is a lot of drama that's embedded in that word. So, um, and people can kind of get a little bit attached to it at times too, right. but it's, uh, it's actually just a normal part of growing up, you know, and it's an invitation to reconnect. So, uh, yeah, for me, like for sure, I definitely grew up with, uh, with some of these wounds and I, I did have a hard time connecting with other guys, you know, like for I'm watching Cobra Kai right now on Netflix, yeah. uh, very entertaining. And, um, but it's also a really good representation of masculine wounding. You know, and what happens when you grow up without a good father figure? You see this in a number of ways. You, you have it in Miguel, who is this, uh, you know, initially like very soft and very, he's getting picked on all the time. And like, I could definitely uh, see myself in him when I was growing up, like, you know, choosing sort of the loser table to sit at at yeah. the cafeteria. Um, and, and then you have, I forget his name, but the son of the, um, of the Cobra Kai sensei. And, you know, he's like this edgy bad boy, right? But they're both wounded in different ways. And they're both kind of flailing about trying to find their way. So yeah, I kind of forget how I got on this, but. That's okay. I love how you said, um, to touch on that point and to just emphasize it, that when we say wounds, right, like we're not, this is a healthy and natural part. We all have them and it doesn't have to be something super dramatic. And I would love for you to, to give us an overview of, for somebody who's new to this conversation, especially what, when we talk about masculine and feminine, what are those kinds of main, like what are the main qualities there? What are the main archetypes there? What are those things that we're looking for? So then when we say masculine wound, feminine wound, what are we talking about? Sure. Yeah. Well, masculine, everybody has masculine and feminine energies. Um, and we can be healthy and integrated and expressed in them, or we can be a little bit shut down, numbed out, um, perhaps wounded in, in some of those. So masculine energies are what creates structure, creates structure, stability, uh, coherence, creates a, a sense of direction in your life. So if, you know, if you look at your life and you're like, I have a really hard time making decisions. I have a really hard time getting from A to B and just, you know, planning on my day, planning out my next five years. I, I don't have a, a clear vision for my life. Uh, perhaps my bank account is suffering, things of that nature. All of those can be tied to uh, a lack of masculine energy or perhaps a rejection of, of those masculine energies. 
feminine, you know, I mean, this is such a, a cursory overview, but like feminine is more like um, receiving the energies of receiving the energies of creativity, of flow, of ease, of nurturance. Um, and if, you know, for a, for a guy who's not in touch with those things, maybe his creativity is blocked. Maybe he's not just able to enjoy life and isn't, isn't in touch with the lover energies. You know, we talk about this in men's work too. Uh, we can get to this next, but, um, yeah, these, these energies of play of, uh, of release of enjoyment, um, but also a sense of connection. I think at its core, that is what the feminine is about is about connection with, uh, not only yourself and, and the people around you, but with the universe as a whole. So, like those moments of deep appreciation of like sitting by the ocean, sitting with the mountains and and just connecting with like, Holy smokes, like I'm a speck of dust in this cosmos, you know, like that's a, a point of connection with the feminine. Yeah. And that's so important. I love the connection piece just in general. It's something that I think really, I'm a, if I'm crusading for anything in the world, it's to bring back that connection to each other, to our spirit, to nature, all of the above. And I think that, yeah, that was, I think that was a beautiful, I, I totally hear what you're saying where it's like, oh, this is, you know, quick overview, but, but I think you did it perfectly well. And with the divine feminine for me, I think something is the intuition, that intuition and flow, everything that you said, nurturing, but kind of being able to tap into that. Yeah. To, to the flow. And then with the divine masculine, or sometimes people say sacred masculine, I think of a protector energy, that kind of warrior energy. And so just to paint that picture further, how I see when both of these, when both of these archetypes are in balance and flowing and, and, you know, kind of working with each other, the masculine is that warrior archetype energy has that fire, has that ability to, yeah, kind of see things and, and go forward. And then the sacred feminine is the intuition is the flow that's kind of like the the mama bear you know sees smells something's wrong and that you can see how in that way and in that archetype it's just always been helpful for me to bring things back to that kind of tribal energy just bring us back to our nature because then you can see and adapt it to our lives how it's those two would flow together and work together you need to have the receiving energy you need to have the flow you need to have the intuition paired with that fire energy, that warrior ability to fight, protect, go forward. hundred percent. Yeah. And if you are somebody who has a very strong masculine energy, but no point of contact with your feminine energy, then, you know, you could actually just be very lost and, and misdirected too, because okay. you're not in touch with a deeper your, your own deeper truth and the, the deep truth of the universe. So you're not able to tune in with emotionally or otherwise with the people that are around you. So, I mean, you can see this in, in um, men or women, but like individuals who are very, very driven, you know, and perhaps, but they're driven towards the wrong things, you know, like they don't, they're just like chasing money, chasing money um, or trying to win some a fight, you know, but they don't know why they don't know why they're doing that. And then, they achieve that goal and then they're like, what? Right. I'm not even fulfilled. Like, what is this for? So, yeah. Then yeah. I'll go on to the next, I'll find the next game that I can win. And the cycle yeah. goes on and on. Exactly. And life becomes a bit of a game. It's arbitrary. It's, it's not connected to something 
deeper and more meaningful, something that can actually sustain a person. Right. And yeah, like just to give the example again of the, these masculine and feminine energies are things that we all have inside of us. Like I definitely had an imbalance towards masculine energy in that way. I definitely like this past year for me has been a learning what I felt like for the first time of feminine energies. I just did not have that growing up. And so it's just interesting to see that and to emphasize that men can have that feminine more of a feminine energy and more of a and different kinds of wounds and it shows up in both men and women yeah and a healthy masculine will enable you to drop into your feminine in a in a better way too like if you have that container then you can kind of you can create a sense of safety where it's easier for you to um to engage with those feminine energies in a in a supported way you know yeah i mean i know in my life like uh, it, was, it was really important for me to establish like a, a really firm financial foundation in my life, you know, and really like, and so I was, I approached that in a fairly masculine way, like set goals, like had like charts with timelines and deadlines and, you know, accountability structures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really it was for the, so that I had a clear way of um, creating a container so that I could be more playful so that it could be more creative so that I could uh, bring in those feminine energies into my life and be, you know, ultimately just be more expressed more connected and happier. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But if I were to like shortcut that piece and not have any kind of uh, uh, structure in my life, then I would just be flailing about. And like, I definitely did that too earlier in my life. And that, you know, looked like just partying a lot and like constantly, constantly playing and like uh, you know, using drugs and doing things that were, uh, were fun in the moment, but were ultimately kind of damaging. So. Yeah. What are the most common things that you see in, in your groups as far as when we talk about like, what are people coming to the table with? Where do people, most people's work lie? Men. Yeah, men. Um, a lot of the men who come to our community, they struggle with what, um, I will not just me, but a lot of guys call the nice guy syndrome. So mm. the nice guy syndrome is where a man isn't able to connect with what it is that he wants. He's, he has problems asserting his challenges, asking for what he really wants in life. Maybe he doesn't even know what he wants. Um, and so because he doesn't know what he wants, he's more on the side of just trying to respond to what he thinks the world is asking of him. So he tries to be, you know, the best employee and, and sort of anticipate his boss's needs. Um, but he's not asking what it is that he, uh, his boss, what, what they actually want, you know? So he's, he's sort of going about it in a mind reader sort of way. And in a relationship, the same sort of strategy comes up. And, um, you know, if, if he's, uh, if he's in a heterosexual relationship, he's just sort of trying to be the perfect boyfriend, you know, and being like really nice and really like doting and that kind of thing. Um, but ultimately this strategy falls short because he's not getting what he wants because he's not asking for what he wants. You know, he's not communicating what it is. So the flip side of the nice guy is this resentment, this huge amount of resentment and frustration and anger uh, that can pop. 
Um, and so like in really extreme cases, like nice guys can, can actually turn violent and, and create like havoc in their relationships because they're, uh, they're so, they're so out of shape. And that's where things like job loss and divorce and, um, really difficult situations can come about. So a lot of guys have these tendencies, um, um, because they weren't, and it's, uh, yeah, it's because they weren't connected with healthy role models who men who were integrated and who were connected with, uh, with what it was that they wanted in their lives in a, in a healthy way that they could role model. So. Yeah. What about, what about the disengaged? What is that? Where do you see that show up? Do you know what I mean by that? Like kind of, I feel like I've had a lot of experience with men in my life who are just kind of like distant and pulled back and like the avoidant type. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The avoidant type. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of guys who go to their heads, you know, like the avoidant is like often sits in their left brain mm. a lot and has a hard time connecting with feelings, the feelings of other people around them. Um, and so, yeah, this can be a place of refuge for a lot of guys. And especially now that we're surrounded by technology all the time, like it's a, it's a very left brain world. Um, it can be easy to live there all the time. And so, yeah, we do a lot of work to address that in, in men's work because it's a place where, you know, it's, it's both. We're, we're healing both the masculine and the feminine energy inside of what we do in men's work. So we, you know, we have stuff around accountability. We have stuff around goal setting and, you know, just getting the end, the engine of your life moving again. But we also do a lot around what are you feeling? Like, are you present in this moment right now? What's going on in your body? Like, don't just tell us about what happened during your week and rattle it off like a, like a laundry list, but actually like feel, you know, and that takes a lot of time and a lot of work, but it's, it, it happens, you know, you see it happening. You see guys get, get more and more dropped in uh, week after week that they spend time with us. Yeah. I have a question. Does that thought occur in, I guess, as a, as a woman, obviously, and having relationships with men, romantic relationships with men, something that the, the thought about what are you feeling? Is it that men are not tapped into that in themselves? As in like, that's just not a thought that occurs. Like, what am I, how am I really feeling right now? Or is it the sharing part? That's the, for the most part, is it the sharing part? That's the bit, or is it the not knowing, not tapping into that in yourself? Yeah. I think it's mainly the not knowing, you know, for, I mean, it's different for every man yeah. for sure. Like, and you, you see, you see you guys who are too overly tuned in, you know, overly tuned in with their feelings. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing a training with a friend right now. And, and this, this teacher describes it as uh, the people on the anxious spectrum are those who can feel, but they can't deal. Mm. And those on the avoidance spectrum are, they can deal, but they can't feel. Yeah. So they can deal with situations. So they're always like strategizing. They're thinking about like, how do I solve problems? But they have no idea how to actually feel. So yeah, I mean, that, that sort of classic um, setup where, where the woman's like, what? Connect with me. Like feel with me. Like what's, what's going on? Like, and uh, I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like just tuned out, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think it is like, they just can't, it's not that they can't, but they just, have forgotten how to feel and they don't, they haven't allowed themselves to, to do that. I think it's interesting. A question that comes to mind is where 
we say that is what happened for people right now is that a lot of there was a disproportionate amount of feminine energies and feminine leadership around and that our teachers and it was our mothers primarily who were around for the most part that wouldn't that wouldn't you think that that would make more men tapped into those feelings like i'm curious have you ever thought about that right for sure and I think that there are a lot of men who are very tapped in and like we see a lot of those guys inside of our communities for sure. We definitely have a mix of guys who are, you know, more feelers or more dealers, you know, but yeah, it's, it's pretty problematic when you have a guy who's, who doesn't really have any capacity to deal with stuff in life because he's spent so much time just feeling and, and in this state. And that was really my, um, that was my experience. Like in my early twenties, like I, really rejected men, really rejected masculinity, um, and had this big distrust of all power structures of money. You know, I was a, a raging anti-capitalist and anti, I was just anti everything. Right. And I, I, but I was also very in touch with my feelings and with like that softness and stuff. And that was, you know, good for a time, but it didn't allow me to, well, it didn't work as much as a dating strategy. That's for sure. You know, because there's, I wasn't in that polarity that was going to allow me to attract women who were, who could feel safe and, and be feminine around me because I wasn't being masculine. Right. Yeah. So I actually do see, yeah, I suppose it just depends on what your perspective is, but I do see a lot of guys who are, um, who are more on that feeling side. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe it's a West Coast thing. You're in Boston. Yeah, no, do yeah, we don't I don't have that around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have different um different kind of general yeah. types, I think. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I connected with some of the uh uh some men out on the East Coast who run men's work stuff out there. And it's it does have a different character for sure. Yeah. Uh it's more directed towards getting guys in touch with their feelings and getting, you know, creating a space for they where they can do that. Um, whereas like on the West coast, like we named our community, the Samurai Brotherhood mm. and the, the, the founder of our community, he chose that term because he wanted guys to connect with their masculine energies, with their warrior energy. You mentioned that at the start of the podcast and like, that's a very, that's, that's good medicine for the West coast. You know, mm-hmm. when he first moved here, he was just like, wow, all these guys are just smoking dope all day and are just in their heads and, you know, down at rec beach was like a new beach in Vancouver and just, you know, um, and so they need that warrior energy. They need, they need that. So that's, uh, that's a big part of what we teach here. Yeah. It's funny to speak to how life-changing bringing this balance can be in. Like for me, and I said that my journey has been learning about how to welcome in that divine feminine and something that as I've learned how to do that. And as I've really, really honed into my intuition realizing that that in my case a lot of the men in my life were not tapped into their feelings themselves because they think that women like you mentioned will have that like hello why aren't you connecting with me and it can be a point of contention in a relationship and it can be a a, a big problem to feel that disconnect yeah. and and women just assume i think for the most part that it's that you're not wanting to share with me what you're feeling. And when I have learned to tap into my intuition, one of the things that came through really loud and clear for me in a lot of my relationships, and again, this isn't like I've 
had this epiphany of men in general in my specific um, one-on-ones that it's not that, it's that this person isn't tapped into that for themselves. And what that did for me was it allowed so much compassion and it allowed me to not be over here reading about, you know, he's not connecting with me. He's not doing this and that. Yeah. It totally changed the dynamic. It might've been something that I would have been upset about before, but when I came to an understanding that we all have our work to do, we're all on a path and, and that that's, it's not a reflection of me. And I think that welcoming in and learning how to balance the masculine and feminine energies is something that is really helpful for that in relationship to realize that it's not about you because I think that that's obviously the main point, especially for people in their twenties and relationships, it's always like a per- everything's a personal attack and that's not usually what it is. It's usually has nothing to do with you at all underneath. Yeah. It's, it's not personal, but it also is <laughs> because those guys who came into your life, you know, they came in for a reason, right? Like they were attracted to something in, in you and you were attracted to something in them. And, um, and so they're, they're reflecting back to you. Like often our, our romantic partners are reflecting back to us something that is ready to heal, something that is ready to shift. And, um, you know, you talked earlier about that you had a strong connection with your masculine energies. And it's only recently that you've started to learn how to, how to feel and to like drop into those, those spaces. So, you know, I'm wondering if there's, um, if there's a shift for you that you've observed in the kind of men who are, uh, drawn into, into your life. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I had a relationship that I was in during that process and we're not together anymore. And so I feel like there were so many shifts that happened in me, but now it's just so clear to see that we were together at that time for a reason. But now I'm kind of in this place of, I don't really know what the next kind of person that I'm going to call in because I was a person who definitely needed to get every lesson like, you know, lightly and then harder and then like the Mack truck to the head. Yeah. I was... I did not learn the first time for like actually any mistake that I've ever made in my life. So I now, although I do feel like I've come out of a, like in the hero's journey, if you're familiar with that story, I think that I don't think I know that I'm on the coming out of that other realm. And so it's, I'm in a really interesting place of, I don't know what the next chapter is going to look like. I feel like I'm entering the world a whole new time, but I do think that it will be different, my romantic relationships going forward. And even like I had over the summer, kind of fell back into some old patterns and then again, got the little slap to the head. So we'll see. I think that it's learning that and balancing that again, I feel like is a challenging part of doing this work when you feel like you have learned new things about yourself. And so now it's how do you take that out into the world with you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something like with romantic patterning, um, like in, in shifting my own, like there's often been like this uh, sort of fake it till you make it process that needs to happen. Like um, where you're, you know, perhaps not pursuing the same kind of person that you'd normally pursue and, and bringing, you know, coming about it in a different way. And it's, it's got to be sort of this like behavioral 
shift, like rather than going down the, the old, like well greased pathways that, you know, work well and that, you know, that turn you on and and do all that. Um, instead there's gotta be like this new, and it can look a little bit awkward. It can be a little bit clunky. Yeah. Takes time. Yeah. How do we, how, because I just feel like relationships are such kind of an easy teacher. And so how would you say men can look at their relationship patterns, whether they're in a relationship now or not? And like kind of what are some telltale just right off the bat, if you're just starting to get into this way of thinking, what would you say for somebody who wants to start thinking about how they can look at their relationships to learn about themselves and to you know, start to do this work to become a better man. Yeah. Relationships are the biggest teachers that we have and the, because they're going to provide us with um, the clearest reflection of we are showing up and where we're not showing up. I mean, there's so many different dynamics that come up, but uh, I mean, one that comes to mind is like the, the man who's waffling in his relationship, you know, or, or waffling in, in declaring what it is that he wants in, in his relationship. So like guys who are um, sort of one foot in one foot out and perpetually, yeah, a bit pulled back. And so I've, I've seen this again and again in, in guys that are, have been in my community and that pattern shows up everywhere in their life. You know, they're not fully choosing what it is that they want to do. They're not fully choosing their career path. They're not choosing themselves. They're not, you know, a, a stand for, exactly what they want in their life. So they're unable to choose their partner too. Mm. Yeah. I think there, there are other, there's so many other patterns as well that, that show up. But uh, I think the main thing is to have a space where you can start to pick apart what that is, you know, what those patterns are. And I mean, just like it takes a village to raise a child, I think it also takes a village to, cultivate a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And when you have a men's group or a women's circle um, around you, then you can, you know, you can bring those issues, you can bring those challenges in your relationship to to the men and start to get some feedback. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we've had guys who we've had guys who have brought things and and they get challenged. They get challenged very directly and they make shifts inside of their relationship as a result. Yeah. And constantly having to make those shifts in just through conversation with your partner, it's very taxing, you know, and that can take a lot of energy out of the relationship and it can create a dynamic where you're turning your partner to a counselor, right? Uh, which is not, not healthy and not very fun. So joining a men's circle, I think is a very, very good move for, for a guy. The reality is, is that many men will just have friends who are, sort of light superficial friends you know they'll just get together have beer uh play some sports talk about sports you know talk about business and dating and but sort of on a on a more superficial level and they won't i think the biggest thing that you get out of uh out of men's work is that permission to challenge each other to call another man forward when he is not showing up to his potential you know like a guy who, you know, perhaps he's, he's dating the same kind of woman who's, it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship. It's not in his, in his best interest. And a lot of friends will just sit on the sidelines and sort of wait for the train wreck to occur. um, And, and just sort of hold space, you know, and like, maybe that that's the type of agreement that they have. But 
it's different in a men's circle, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you do need to still hold space and let a guy like learn his own lessons rather than being like, Hey, like, look at this thing right now and get it right now. But, but it's, it's amazingly helpful to have to get that direct feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that something that's missing is that it's unclear what that is supposed to look like, like what being a better man is supposed to look like. And so that's what I love about something like the Samurai Brotherhood. I was checking out the code that you guys have. And if you could, I know it's, there's a lot of pieces to it, but if you could just share with us a bit about that, because I feel like I was reading it and I was like, mother fuck, if every person in the world yeah. abided by this code, like, hello, sign me up for that planet to live on, please. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you introduced that. Yeah. So the code, it's 14 point code. The first point is make your word good. And, you know, that's just all about integrity and, you know, recognizing the power of what we say and that every time we speak, we are, you know, we're engaging in, uh, in a spell and like casting a magic spell in the world. And we can do that for good or for evil. You know, once we align our word with our thoughts and our deeds, then uh, we're going to be much more powerful, much more trustable. The second point of our code is uh, know thyself. So it's this constant engagement with reflecting on your patterns, on behaving and refining and improving yourself. And uh, again, getting that mirroring inside of a, a men's circle is a huge part of that. Train your body. So we always encourage all our men to to pursue fitness, to, uh, to be healthy. You just can't have a healthy mind without a healthy body. So yeah, there's 14 points and there's, there's sort of a lot in there, but yeah, it's all about integrity. It's all about point 13. I think is actually quite interesting. It's called staying in relationship. So this is staying in, this means like, don't run away from your challenges. Don't turtle and don't go into that lone wolf mentality, which is what a lot of guys do, you know? Um, so there are guys who don't trust, don't trust the masculine and they don't, you know, so they shy away from business and they shy away from, um, power structures and all that. But then there are also guys who they still shy away from other men in those circles, but they're, they just seek to dominate. You know, they're just like, whatever, like you, I'm going to be the best businessman. I'm going to be the best like leader, da, 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 da. Um, but they, they refuse to form relationships with other men or they have, they have this sneaking underlying suspicion of other men, or they think that the only good basis for a relationship is a transactional one where they're getting something. So it's like, uh, everything's a game mm-hmm. and, uh, point 13 about staying in a relationship is to, to undermine that lone wolf tendency to always see yourself as being better than or worse than another, another individual and actually just to just allow yourself to be and to just show up right. so, as you are. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to encourage everybody to, to check that out and also to check out the upcoming, the weekend that you guys have the retreat. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So we're doing a weekend on uh, October 23, 24 and it's over zoom and it's, it's called alchemy. And so the idea with alchemy is we are, uh, going to be exploring the darker aspects of of our existence. So we're going to be exploring our judgments. We're going to be exploring our fears, our fantasies, like things that we don't necessarily share or perhaps even entertain on a uh, inside of our own minds. So that is the lead. And when we bring it forward and start to engage with it, 
that stuff can actually transform and become become the gold of our lives. So we do that through diet, through um, conversational processes that we do. We do it through through group structured sharing. We're going to use breath work. We're going to be um, doing a lot of things, getting ourselves into our bodies as much as we can over Zoom. And uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in eight hours of content. So we'll have, it's going to be facilitated by myself and Ben Goreski and Nick Solchek, who are just two amazing coaches. Come check it out. So you can, you can go to samuraibrotherhood.com slash alchemy and uh, we're selling tickets now. Sweet. Yeah. And I'll have that all in the show notes. I'm really excited for, for people to check that out. I think that it's so exciting for me to like, I really geek out about this idea of just every single one of us bringing back this this ancient wisdom in our lives and and always, but especially in tapping into what it actually looks like to be a better man. Like you said, I love you know let's let's not make things more complicated than they need to be. What is men's work? It's how to be a better man. And same thing with where I mostly work with women. It's how do we. How do we be a better woman? How can we invite in the divine feminine and the sacred masculine? Every single one of us, this is something that I, I really do see changing right now. I can feel that. You are, have been in groups longer than I. Is that something that you feel too? For sure. For sure. Like, I mean, you can just see it in the growth of this community. Like we were six guys four and a half years ago and we're 425 now. You know, so there's, there's a big thirst for this kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of other awesome men's communities out there as well. Uh, Sacred Sons, what Jetty's doing with, uh, with Rising Man. Um, there's a lot of great communities out there. And yeah, it's this response to, to this, this sense of disconnection that a lot of guys have. Uh, and they want more, you know, and they're willing to show up and put in the time and put in the work to, to make it happen. So yeah, we, we live in very challenging times right now. We live in very interesting times. And yeah, there's a lot of existing power structures and ways of being that, that are collapsing and probably should collapse. And um, yeah, this is this is what's gonna emerge as its replacement. I'm I'm very confident about that. You know, like I can see that it's not just mm-hmm. men's work for me is not just something that I've that I do, you know, every Tuesday night for a couple hours with my buddies. It's become a way of life, you know, and it's become something that has trickled into every aspect of what I do in all my relationships with men and with women and fundamentally shifted how I view people and, you know, ultimately like seeing like everybody as part of the community as everybody is part of this, uh, circle around the fire, you know, and nobody, nobody needs to be a stranger. We really need to all come together and, uh, fight against that tendency to isolate. Because the isolation is what creates the neurosis. It's what creates the, the the real damage in our society. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like this weekend, that Alchemy Weekend, is a great introduction for people because, especially if you're new to this kind of work, I feel like I can't think of a better place to start in that, well, I feel like in-person work obviously is is the crux and what is really, really where you can get so much benefit. A lot of guys that might be, and like I said, coming from my East Coast mentality, that might be really kind of like a big leap. That might feel like a lot. And so maybe if it's something that you can do kind of from the comfort of your own home and have that little bit of, I don't know, I just feel like that might be a easier kind of like dipping your toes in. 
but then still getting all of the amazing benefits. And then, then you can feel like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like sign me up for this. For sure. So I'm excited for people to check that out. And, yeah. and that, you know, it can be a blessing that it has to be through zoom. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does make it more accessible. Like uh, of course with COVID right now, we, we normally run in-person retreats. Um, but yeah, this means that this work is accessible to, to guys all over the world. And, uh, we actually started running a lot of our groups online and it's proven to be the most successful part of what our community does. And so we have, uh, we have 11 groups now that meet online and each group has between 10 to 15 guys. Uh, Actually our online groups are just 10 guys. So this is great because every week these guys get two hours with each other. Um, and they really go deep and they really form amazing relationships and bonds. So that is one of the things that we, that we're all about is just that consistency of contact. So it's not just about dropping in and, you know, uh, doing the work like on an ad hoc basis. It's, it's about consistency. Yeah. Oh, I really love that, that you have that, that weekly thing. And, and also, right. Like if I'm sharing this with people in my community and the greater Boston area that wouldn't, you know, be able to go to Vancouver next weekend, potentially. I love that. And, and maybe don't have a people who don't have a group like this in their community. I love that they're going to have that opportunity to check out these groups that are connecting online. And I think that's so great every week for two hours. You guys meet. Yeah. Yeah. So we have 40, 42 different groups and Mm -hmm. Uh, about 30 of them are in person and the rest are, are online and they meet. Yeah. They meet every week. So yeah, all of our groups meet every week and they're, they're led by uh, one or two facilitators. That's huge. Yeah. That's so huge. I've been a part of so many different groups and masterminds and things. And I feel like that is something that I crave that consistency and connection, which is in so many groups, that's just, it's a once a month thing or a twice a month thing. And and I don't think that's enough, honestly. So Yeah. I mean, it's like what we do is not a, it's not a one-time workshop, you know, like yeah. we have workshops where guys can go deeper and have sort of that more powerful retreat type of experience, but we're all about long-term, you know, this is like a long-term game. Like some of the, the group that I run, like has been around for three years. Um, some of the groups have been around for five and mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere. You know, they're going to evolve and like sometimes guys come and go, but for the most part, like we have a very stable membership, you know, like guys stick around, uh, for a long time, a long time because they see massive shifts, you know, massive transformations in their lives, you know, big, big turnarounds, like whether it's in finances or relationships or health. So it's a, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing it with me and with us and, I really hope that people take advantage for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and I am so grateful to play even the smallest role in your journey to living a more authentic, more aligned, more wild and free life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next time.